Blessings one and all, and welcome to the Infinite Journey Podcast. I'm Paul James Caden, and in today's episode, we are going to talk about Kenneth Copeland and the Prosperity Gospel. Boy, oh boy, what a name-dropping week we're having on the podcast this week. But um, uh, again, this is never to tear anybody down. This is to just really talk about some of the ideas and notions and doctrines that are put forth out there. But this is also, uh, it's, it's been a very uh, busy week for me, and I haven't had a lot of time to gather content and subjects for the show, so I'm actually going back into my emails and finding questions that you, the listener, have sent in over uh, the last months or weeks and, uh, you know, getting back to those. I always tell folks that if you email uh, with a question or a topic for a show, I might get to it right away. It might be a couple of weeks. It might be a couple of months, depending on how backlogged I am on subjects uh, that I've already lined up for shows. And uh, these uh, particular shows, some of them have been backlogged for quite a while. Even going back into my former show, The Spirit Side, where people wrote in and asked to have a conversation about these particular teachers or topics or doctrines. So this is why we're uh, kind of pulling names out of a hat this particular week. But always remember, it's not uh, tearing anybody down or saying how terrible anybody is. It's to talk about the doctrines and the ideas and the teachings that permeate people's minds and sometimes can uh, kind of get them off track when it comes to true spirituality and following the light and the love of God in their lives. And when it comes to the prosperity gospel or the word of faith movement, I was in that for uh, a number of years myself. And I feel that there were some men and women and that there are some men and women in that particular movement who really did believe in and have a heart for God. But I think the lore of riches and money and fame really got the best of some of them or a lot of them over time. And naturally, some of them were just out-and-out out frauds and charlatans who were in this business because it made a lot of money. And these people could afford, you know, big luxurious mansions and houses and private jets and airplanes. It became uh, a real mess over time. And that mess is exactly why I walked away from that particular movement uh, about 25 years ago. Now, to get into this, uh, Kenneth Copeland and the prosperity gospel. As many of you know and have heard on just previous shows here on The Infinite Journey, my spiritual upbringing pretty much went from 
being a young child who felt this divine presence or just this presence that was always around me. I felt that someone was always watching over me, had my back, cared about me deeply. I was very comforted by this presence. I would talk to it. It was my very best friend. And then I went probably around 10 or 11 years old. I was introduced to the Methodist church when my parents decided to uh, get more religion in their lives. And it was there that I learned some very heavy and scary notions about God that made me quite distrustful of this presence, you know, this creator of the universe. I wasn't so sure that God was the good guy or the loving being that I've always known. And from there, everything kind of went into uh, evangelical Christian beliefs. And then slightly over the years, got more into the evangelical fundamentalist kind of mindset. And it really didn't do a whole lot to make my suspicions or distrust of God go away that I've learned in previous years. In fact, there was some of it that actually compounded all that and made it worse. But somewhere in the latter 1980s, I was visiting my parents' house one day, and you know, I got talking to my father uh, somehow about religion and God. I don't know how the subject came up, and he said, um, did you ever see this guy, Kenneth Copeland, on TV? And of course, I said, no, I didn't watch religious TV at that time. And he said, oh, you got to see this guy. He's, you know, he's great. You know, he doesn't talk all of this nonsense and heavy doctrines. You know, he just talks about prayer and faith and the love of God. And he sits at his table in the studio with a cup of coffee. You know, it's really different. He makes a lot of sense. And it probably wasn't until... Geez, you know, several weeks or a month or so later that I happened to be out at my parents uh, fairly early. And I think Kenneth Copeland was on somewhere around 11 a.m. on this one particular uh, Christian broadcasting network. And my father was like, oh, Kenneth Copeland's on. I watch him every day here, you know, check him out. So I sat down with him and I watched Kenneth Copeland, and uh, I have to admit, at that particular time, it was kind of impressive to me, because he was just sitting at this table, it looked like a dining room table, with his cup of coffee, he had his uh, flannel button shirt on, you know, a pair of jeans, and he was just talking about faith and prayer, and a God that was good, you know, he was very much, and made no bones about saying that he did not preach or believe in this wrathful, angry God that you didn't know whether he was for you or against you, 
or if you should even pray half the time because God might step in and make things worse because he's mad, you know? So I thought that was, uh, you know, pretty cool back then. And that kind of slowly began uh, my adventure into the Word of Faith movement. This was probably around 88, 89. I don't think I really settled down into it and started reading the books and watching some of the broadcasts more uh, diligently until around 1992, 93. And uh, I, I thought it was, you know, at the time I thought it was great. Like, yeah, this is, you know, faith and prayer and, you know, love and, you know, God is for us. He wants to do good things for us. I didn't agree with everything all of these, uh, as they used to call them, the faith preacher said, of course I didn't. I was never that kind of Christian. I was never that kind of person in my personal spirituality. I didn't believe something just because it was in a book or just because so-and-so said it, even if I thought so-and-so was a fabulous teacher. I was always the kind of person that was just doing, always doing the weed out process. If it worked, if it resonated, if it sounded good, I took that in. If it didn't resonate, if it sounded kind of hokey or strange, I just let it go. You know, I didn't judge it. I didn't judge the person. We all believed differently. But I just figured as long as you're on the path of love, and goodness, and trying to bring something positive to people instead of all this negativity and hellfire and brimstone. Kudos to you, and you know I'm not going to bicker about it because we all have our different ideas. And this is probably why I got uh, in Dutch, uh, you know, more than a couple times in some of the local churches because if I heard something I didn't agree with. Uh, I would just say, no, I don't, I don't think it really works that way, or I personally don't believe uh, in that particular uh, doctrine or school of thought. Something seems off about it to me. You know, and there are pastors and there were congregations who, it was, it was almost kind of cultic because you were looked at with that look of suspicion and wide eyes and people started to... Uh, you know, look at you and whisper to their neighbor in church, you know, or stay away from you if you didn't believe every single thing you were told. So, you know, and I didn't go around saying, we shouldn't believe the pastor. If somebody asked me, oh, what did you think of that sermon? What did you think of that message? Oh, you know, what do you think of this? I would say, yeah, it was fine, but I, I don't actually feel that... Uh, you know, A, B, and C, or A and B is is uh, true. That, you know, that seems a little off to me, and there's also scriptures that uh, kind of argue against that. So, you know, I'm on the fence with that. I don't really, uh, you know, I wouldn't put my full faith and belief, you know, in whatever the message or whatever the doctrine was. And that caused uh, definitely some issues, but... Uh, back to Kenneth Copeland and the uh, the prosperity gospel. It was 
it seemed pretty good for a while. Uh, and I remember when a lot of the Word of Faith preachers started holding these, uh, what they called Holy Ghost uh, meetings. And basically they would just stand at the pulpit and stare at the audience uh, and maybe speak in tongues, if that's what they did a little bit. And the preacher would start laughing uncontrollably. And soon everybody in the congregation or everybody in the assembly hall or auditorium, wherever they happened to be meeting, uh, would start laughing hysterically, uh, rolling on the floor, uh, barking like dogs, all kind of weird things that they did. And they said this was getting people drunk in the Holy Ghost. And along with these Holy Ghost meetings, things started to get a little bit more money-oriented. And I remember at first, Kenneth Copeland uh, was against this. He was saying that these Holy Ghost meetings uh, were very bizarre. He didn't feel that they were from God. Uh, prosperity is just not... Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, Copeland always uh, talked about prosperity. You know, give and it will be given unto you. God will meet your needs. But uh, a little bit to his defense... He would always say prosperity is just not money. Money is just a small part of it. And, the, you know, I remember him saying he didn't think that these Holy Ghost meetings and, you know, a lot of the uh, very money-centric messages that were starting to be preached were necessarily uh, right or inspired by God or the Holy Spirit. But I guess this thing became a little bit too popular. I remember in the beginning there was just one guy, and I don't remember his name, but he had um, an English accent, and he would hold these meetings and get people just laughing and rolling and barking. And he was the only one who did it, and little by little it started to catch on where more and more of these... Uh, faith preachers started doing it as well because obviously it was a big draw and it was. And somewhere along the line, uh, Kenneth Copeland had a change of mind and he started participating in these things. And that was something that I remember looking at with kind of, you know, the raised eyebrow and like, you know, how can you say that it's, you know, not necessarily from God, but now you're in it hook, line, and sinker. You know, I, I thought these things were weird. I didn't see how anybody was getting at anything out of going to these meetings and just falling on the floor and kicking and laughing and howling and doing the weird things that they were doing. But I noticed after that, it was when Kenneth Copeland really started being more money-centered more of the time than he was in the past. 
And I, the whole Word of Faith movement really just became about money, 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 money. There were several people that I used to watch. I would read their books. And it got to a point where every broadcast was about money. Every book they put out was about money and prosperity. And, I mean, it didn't do anything for me. In fact, I, I, I felt that feeling that we get inside, like, uh, you know, I, I don't, I'm not so thrilled with this, and I think we're witnessing the, the end of an era. You know, this is going to get swept away in the whole money message and it did and when i started hearing some of the things kenneth copeland was saying about money or being judged by god if you didn't buy his television product of the week running back and forth on the stage yelling at the top of his lungs i have a daddy i have a daddy and he's rich 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 i said that is enough for me. Now, there was uh, another very popular uh, faith preacher. In fact, they say he was the founder of the Word of Faith movement or one of the godfathers of, and some of you may know his name was Kenneth Hagin. And to Kenneth Hagin's credit, when he saw all of this happening, and a lot of people don't know this, he called a meeting with all of the big word of faith preachers that really were inspired by him and went out and started their own ministries and preaching the word of faith. And he told them at this meeting, he said, I think in our movement it is getting too carried away with the prosperity message. Because prosperity, you know, money and material gain is such a small part of what biblical prosperity is, we have to scale this back. And if we don't, he said, I feel it's going to damage the movement and we are going to become divided. And he had a book coming out just after that called The Midas Touch, where he talked about a lot of the scams and a lot of the uh, frauds that a lot of these prosperity uh, preachers put on that, that Kenneth uh, Hagin said, they're just looking to pick your pocket. And he said, you know, I, I, I don't, I want us to all be in agreement with what we're teaching and not get, you know, far off into the ditch when it comes to money. Because, you know, the gospel isn't, about money and so to his credit he he tried to reform and scale back the movement the faith movement and the sad thing is that all these people that to this day some of them will say oh kenneth hagan he's my spiritual father and Oh, what a giant in the faith. What a wonderful man. I wouldn't be here today if it weren't for him. Oh, I loved him so much. Some of them call him like, you know, Dad Hagen and all this sort of thing. 
But when he held this meeting and told them that he thought that it was headed in a very bad and damaging direction, they all left that meeting, and there was not a one who listened to his words. They just went onward and continued to preach money, money, money. And the strange thing is, up until Kenneth Hagin's death, you didn't hear so many of these people mention his name anymore after that. Nor did Kenneth Hagin hobnob so very much with uh, many of the preachers who were claiming to follow in his footsteps. Now, Kenneth Hagin did toward the end of his life in ministry, hold these laughing Holy Ghost meetings, which was, you know, I think that stuff was a little ridiculous. But I think, you know, for my opinion, what I've read, what I've witnessed, what I've seen, uh, what I know, I think Kenneth Hagin was a man who truly did believe in God. You know, whether we agree with all of his doctrines or not, whether we agree with everything he taught or not, I think he believed, I think he had a heart for God, and I think he really tried to bring something good to the people. I also think that Kenneth Copeland, from my viewpoint, I think he was a man who started out believing in God. But I think being associated with all these other word of faith preachers when they started getting into the money, the money, you know, the word of faith moment or movement soon became the prosperity gospel. And I think when he saw all of his fellow preachers doing this, he just went along with it. And I think somewhere along the line, he just lost himself. I don't know whether he lost faith, doesn't have faith anymore, uh, or whether it's just so highly polluted and diluted that he can't differentiate the truth from a lie anymore, but something happened where there used to be the man sitting at the coffee or the, the table with a cup of coffee talking to the audience. I read many of his books, I watched his program. You know, if I was working, I would tape it, I would watch it in the evening. I, I used to order some of his audio tapes from his meetings. I would, I, I would listen to them, the as they call them, the preaching and the teaching tapes. And, um, yeah, I heard things I didn't agree with, but I heard a lot of good. And I heard him talk about some of these things that were beginning to happen uh, with a critical eye. But I think along the line, he just caved. And that was the downfall of Kenneth Copeland. And now the whole prosperity gospel is just a complete wreck. I mean, it always has been. Uh, if you're going to talk, you get up there and tell people that 
if you don't tithe, if you don't give money, God can't bless you. God won't bless you. If you don't give money into these ministries and tithe, um, you're robbing God. And you're basically tying his hands that he can't do anything for you or won't do anything for you because you didn't give him your money. I think that kind of thing is, is a terrible atrocity. And who would ever paint God in that kind of light, in that kind of doctrine? It's, it's absolutely terrible. And, you know, I think the whole thing, the whole word of faith, prosperity gospel, I don't think it will ever be the same. I don't think it will ever return to anything that anyone would be able to believe in. It's become very money-oriented. It's become very political. And those two things together are absolutely uh, not a good combination. You know, if you're, if you're trying to uh, piece together God with, with money and politics, and also a lot of them uh, condone one another's bad actions. I know there was um, a woman, a, a female uh, word, of pra- uh, word of faith preacher, her name was Paula White, and she actually had an affair with an adulterous affair with Benny Hinn, who was the big word of faith, uh, you know, healing preacher. I never thought Benny Hinn um, was legitimate. Even back in the day, I never watched him. If I did, it was only for a couple of minutes, and I just got that vibe like, uh, you know, this this guy is just a stage preacher. He's in it for the money. I got the same feeling uh, from Paula White. I only watched her two or three times uh, and caught glimpses of her here and there. And to, to me, it was just the pride and the ego that seemed to drip from her and and. and pour out of her that I said, man, you know, I, I I don't really see the draw to her either. It feels so contrived. And, you know, these two people ended up having an affair. Benny Hinn got a divorce. But, uh, you know, Kenneth Copeland and the rest of the Word of Faith preachers still make excuses for these individuals, hang out with these individuals, have them at their meetings and rallies and all this type of thing. So it just shows the implosion of the Word of Faith movement. And I'm very much in agreement with uh, the Arantia book that you can shut off the voice and the Spirit of God within you. You can deny it. You can hear it talking but say, I'm going to do what I want to do. You can override that still small voice. 
and eventually it will have no effect in your life and it may even depart from you if you decide you want nothing more to do with it you want to do your own thing so how many of these word of faith preachers when we look at someone like Kenneth Copeland who started out seemingly he never asked for money he never took what they called an offering during his broadcast he was personable he seemed to look at some of these things that were happening in the word of faith movement and questioning it but i think money and big numbers coming to his meetings he i don't think he wanted to lose uh parishioners and revenue and by doing that then he say guess what spirit of god within i'm running the show from here based on what i think and what i want and you no longer have any say i'm not going to be sensitive to your leadings anymore telling me this is wrong and i should stay away from this or not do this so did did the divine spirit within depart from some of these people and that's why they seem almost you know and you hate to say it this way but mentally unhinged these days because the Arantia book does tell us that if the spirit the the thought adjuster the spirit of god departs from us we will lose all track a person who doesn't have their indwelling spirit that person will not have an inner compass they will lose all track of what is moral what is good what is right what is decent they will become very selfish they will become very materialistic they will become very immoral and start living more like animals or as the arantia book says almost like the primitive man of old before he developed his intelligence and started to receive higher revelations and truths about god and we certainly see this in the word of faith prosperity movement now it's it's a movement that almost seems out of control with the direction that it's heading and it's almost like a freight train that is heading toward the edge of a cliff and no matter how loudly people yell and say put on the brakes they just won't do it or maybe they're incapable of doing it at this point because they don't have any inner compass anymore so you know that's kind of my take on it all and that's my personal experience with the word of faith prosperity gospel i ended up uh really pulling away from it somewhere around 1995 96 by 1998 um i was out i was done and it's it's just another example that i always say on this show about 
putting our faith in men, putting our faith in their organizations and their ministries. I mean, there was a lot that happened between the mid-90s and 1999 um, that really a lot of my spiritual foundation that I thought I had crumbled because I made a mistake that I never said that I would make and I found that I had put too much faith, too much trust in human beings and institutions and ministries thinking to myself they have the truth I might not agree with it all but here you know here is the truth these are good men these are good people these are good women they're doing God's work and in the end <laughs> I turned out to be wrong on all accounts. And it was a nightmare. Did I have a crisis of faith? Yes, I did. And maybe I'll talk about that uh, in one of the shows next week. It's not easy when you believe in something or someone and suddenly it crumbles or the mask is ripped off and it's not who or what you thought it was. It's devastating. It can really send your whole life, especially if you're a deeply spiritual person, really seeking. It can send your whole life in a spiral. And that's why to this day I tell people, look, I don't care how wise, how smart, how wonderful a teacher or a minister or a church sounds, put your trust completely in God. I understand that it's very easy to be depressed, be down, be out, be suicidal, and people hear the words of a teacher or a preacher, someone online, and it changes their life. And they say, oh my God, that teacher saved my life. You know, I kind of had that with the Word of Faith movement. I had these dark thoughts about God, and that kind of changed all that. And I said, wow, you know, these people really made a difference in my life and helped me to get rid of that angry, malevolent God seed that has been planted in me over the years so i get how that can be but then i think we can become too loyal and too reliant on these people and start looking at them almost like they're the savior they are the light but they're not and some of these people can go for years but then there's always scandal there's always problems there's always fraud and that's why I always say, people let you down. God will not. So remember the words of the metaphysician of old, Emmett Fox, when he said, the true teacher gives you the wisdom 
gives you the knowledge, gives you the gift that he is there to impart to you, but then he moves on, and you move on from him or her. You do not become a lifelong disciple because you are a disciple of God and of Christ, not of that man, not of that woman. And I think those are very, very wise words that each and every one of us should live by. Because believe me, there was a time in my life when if somebody told me, do you think Kenneth Copeland or some of these other people will do something so crazy? I would have said no. You know, that they have some ideas that are a little loopy, but uh, I think as far as uh, being true men of God and, and really believe and having faith, uh, I feel like they're pretty solid. Look how wrong I was. And every single one of us can be wrong when it comes to another human being. You want to have uh, a word of faith movement? Have it yourself with God. Put that faith in God. You want to have a prosperity gospel? Have it yourself. Look to God for your prosperity, most of which is the fruits of the Spirit, peace, love, joy, kindness, happiness, oneness with God. The little material blessings that come along are just a side note. God's not our genie to rain abundance and things and cars and houses and mansions and private jets down upon us. So we need to remember that. And that is why my primary message is always put your trust in God, not people and organizations. And especially not all of these uh, people on the internet that claim to be having all these prophecies and special revelations, you know, from God and the Father. That's just another freight train inevitably heading for the edge of the cliff. Put your faith in God. And number two that I always talk about, If you put your faith in God and you find that you're becoming legalistic, hellfire and brimstone, fearful, fear-based, judgmental, anything that is heavy in that negative sense, that's not of God. That is, my friends, a carryover from your previous religious training. Get rid of it. And I see a lot of people with religious backgrounds that did damage to them actually becoming the thing that they do not like or the thing that they ran from. And maybe that is a podcast in and of itself as well. But anyway, folks, once again, I thank you so much for listening. I always appreciate it. Until next time, stay safe, stay well. Stay in faith, stay centered on God, and I'll see you next time here on The Infinite Journey.